Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Dave Carson and Michael Darnowski. Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week, as always, is Cleveland area attorney and sometime Republican strategist, Jay Carson. Here's our Ask the Politics Guys question for this week, Jay. You ready? Okay, fire away. Okay. Um, this is one that a number of listeners have asked us in one form or another uh, for a while now, and so I'm glad we can finally get to it. Here's a question. What news sources do you guys follow to keep up with politics? And related to this uh, is another question people have asked, so I thought we'd just tackle them both. Uh, Can you recommend any good books, films, documentaries, anything like that for a more in-depth understanding? Of America, sort of where the hell did you get that from? Sort of the answer is that's a yeah, no question. Yeah, I, I think and that's you know that's a I think it's a great question because there's certainly so much out there, but it's the biggest problem that I think a lot of people have, certainly that I have, is separating the wheat from the chaff. You know, and uh, I'll focus for me. I, I, oh, there's a lot of chaff, a lot of chaff. I'll, I'll focus on what I actually use, as opposed to things that I wish I could get to but never do. Okay, so. First off, I I am I almost watch no television. I mean, I watch a lot of television, but not politics on television, just because the information density. It's a lot more efficient to get my information about politics from reading stuff. So pretty much everything I get, I get online. I don't know if, if you're like that at all, Jay, or if there's any TV you know shows that you information watch. density. I like that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's, it's actually something I mentioned in my book, Navigating the News, which I'll talk about in a minute, because <laughs> why not? I plug for that. But anyway, before we get to that, so every day, every single day, I start with the New York Times. And I know, Jay, how you feel about the New York Times, but I will say I do not read, at least I don't start with their op-ed pages. Just for basic news coverage, they have the biggest political news staff of anyone. And I think they have pretty much the most comprehensive coverage. So just to get the basic facts of what went, what, what happened over the last 24 hours, that's where I start. And if I do nothing else during that day, I will read through the, uh, the front page in the national section in New York Times. So that's my primary source. Now, okay. you, I know you have a different primary source, right? My, my primary source would probably be, uh, for, for print journalism, would be the Wall Street Journal. No. Uh, and and again, there is a it's a you know different different take, but uh, I I think they do the you know probably best job, uh, in my view, a straight straight ahead objective job. And quite honestly, I think the the sense that you know it's it's traditionally a business paper to me that's important because uh, so often the um biz, you know politics is business as as you know as GM goes so goes the country sort of thing. Um, so no, I, I I'm, that's that's probably my my go to uh, print source. Okay, and so what do you uh, what do you supplement that with? Well, you know, I I don't watch a lot of TV. I'll sort of have TV on sometimes. Um, uh, you know, like again, I watch Fox News, and people are gonna be oh, shocked. But um, you know, I, th- I think the uh, the commentary stuff is interesting, if if not for a. Um, factual basis, but just to kind of get the arguments. Where's, where's every side uh, coming from? Um, I can tell you, I, I don't watch uh, sort of the, the pundit uh, centric right. shows, the O'Reilly's and the, the Hannity's. Um, uh, I, I avoid uh, the, 
sort of so-called conservative websites, the Breitbart's and, and um, um, uh, or some of the other ones. Um, they pop up in my newsfeed occasionally. Sure. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't necessarily seek them out. Uh, and again, that kind of goes to the, the, the quality and, and, uh, we've talked about how we both sort of have a disdain for, uh, the, the clickbait kind of culture. And, and I think a lot of, a lot of those things, unfortunately fall into that, that clickbait yeah. that there's more, more heat than light there. Yeah. Uh, I do, uh, enjoy national review. Um, I'll say probably not as much as I used to, uh, but uh, that's that's more a again. I think it's just sort of they're they're sort of stuck, kind of getting with the times. Um, and I am, you know, by nature, someone who is who is not getting with the times. So yeah, yeah, definitely. So okay. Well, you know, I I uh, I have to do a lot of this stuff, not just for the podcast, but of course, I teach political right. science. So you actually up- can do this as part of your job. Exactly. I gotta do I got to actually kind of produce something. Yeah, and so I actually that's another story. I actually yeah, I actually you you work in the real world. I work in the ivory tower. It's more like a concrete tower. It's not much of a tower anyway at NKU. But but yeah, this is part of my job. So I obviously have to spend a lot of time doing this and it's stuff that I love doing anyway, so that that works out really well. But the most invaluable thing to me as a supplement is uh, is actually a, a web service called Feedly. It's uh, uh, it's basically it's an RSS, which is a a way to just draw in news feeds and kind of put them all together in one spot. So I don't have to I don't have to you know go through all the junk. I can just get to the stuff I want. And so Feedly is really great. It's like it's an RSS reader that I have ten feeds that I check on a regular basis. And I'm just going to do a quick rundown of them because that's obviously a lot of information, but. I, I love uh, what's called the Monkey Cage. The Monkey Cage is a blog that's written by a number of political scientists, and it's through the Washington Post. And they uh, uh, they basically try to cover political political news, not just uh, U.S. political news, but international through the perspective, through the lens of political science. And so for me, that's obviously you know pretty valuable, right? Right. Um, and as I'm a data guy, there are a couple other sites that are really good on data. The New York Times has a data blog called The Upshot. Uh, there's also another data blog called 538. It's all spilled out. And we're going to put the links to all this on, on the show notes for this one. So uh, run by Nate Silver, who used to work for the New York Times. Uh, I, that one's really great, especially for election season. You know, there are also I, – I really think it's important to for me to seek out conservative views because I'm not going to get that necessarily because I'm you know more left to center. So for me, there are two great – well, there are a few great sites and uh, – Number one, the Wall Street Journal's uh, opinion editorial page. I always take a look at that. There's uh, a columnist named Jennifer Rubin who writes in the Washington Post, writes a column called Right Turn, which is political news from a conservative perspective. I think she's great. Uh, The New York Times, believe it or not, has a conservative columnist, Ross Duthit, who's – I think he's – Really good, really solid. He's especially interesting on religious issues, uh, and I check him out whenever he writes a new column. And then finally, a conservative economist, Tyler Cohen, who writes a who writes a blog called Marginal Revolution, which is really great and has some interesting political stuff. And I supplement. And, and then you got me. What's uh, well? Yeah, of course I got you. You know. <laughs> I'd and, also say I'm also a fan of uh, Ross Duthit too. He uh, uh, does a lot of stuff for National Review. Yeah, he, I think he's I think he's really good and. Then a, a couple more. Uh, John Cassidy is a writer for The New Yorker. He writes a column called Rational Irrationality, which is great. Uh, a guy named Kevin Drum, 
who's a columnist for, you're going to love this, Mother Jones, which is a liberal oh, magazine, but he's a great columnist. And then uh, The Atlantic, which uh, is a kind of a general interest magazine, but they do a lot of political stuff. Uh, so I, I'd say, you know, I also, I enjoy The Atlantic a lot also. Um, and there's, there's tends to be sort of, as, as you might expect, uh, a little bit of a leftward lean, but, but I think they, they do good stuff and interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and so I think my media diets thoughtful too, stuff. I guess I guess that's the best way to put it. You know, they do a longer form stuff, and yeah, it's a lot better than a lot of the newspaper stuff you're going to see. I think, although they aren't what they used to be either, but they're you know in the business of getting generating clicks too. So, yeah. but I, I would also say for for blogs that I I read, and this is one of those again, maybe people ask you what. What do you read? And I want to tell them War and Peace, um, yeah. because it's one of it's more of aspirational. That uh, the Volok conspiracy, which is now okay. with the uh, Washington Post, uh, for legal issues, and it's it's a little bit law geeky. It's it's just, you know a bunch of law professors uh, mostly right. uh, blogging about uh, some really uh, uh, you know inside baseball stuff. Uh, so I try to read that when I can, um, and uh, I don't always get to it as often as I, I want to unless there's something really exciting happening and then I, I look. I should I should read it daily but uh but I don't. But I encourage you to. Yeah. Well you know and I think especially the stuff that I read, there's so much of it and so it's it's kind of unrealistic for real people. And so I guess I would say if I had recommendations I would say, of course, start with the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. I, I can see that just as well. They have a great political operation as well. But there's another site that I, I might recommend is The Guardian, which is a not a U.S. News, newspaper, but they have really good political coverage. They've done a great job on the election. You might want to check them out. I've been really pleasantly surprised. Uh, and then I'd say supplement with maybe one thing. I would recommend the Atlantic is a, probably a, a pretty solid, you know, secondary kind of supplement to that. So those would be my kind of regular uh, recommendations, I guess, for, for political media. Uh, any, Those are pretty good ones. Yeah, I, I like to think. So now if we get into more in-depth stuff, and I really think that one of the problems is that people spend too much time focusing on the news of the moment and don't really step back and kind of take a longer view and try to put this in, in perspective. And we've, on the podcast, we've talked about a couple of books that try to do that. There's my book, and you interviewed me about that, <laughs> right? But no, I mean, seriously. Uh, you know, I, 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 sure I'm tooting my own horn, but you know, I think it's a reasonably good book. I, I, I hope so. Jeez, I wrote it. Um, but, uh, that's what it like episode 12 or something like that. I don't know, but, uh, navigating the news and, uh, another book that I uh, interviewed one of the authors of, uh, Kirby Goodell wrote a book called America's failing experiment, basically about how too much democracy is maybe not a good thing. And I, it sounds very counterintuitive, but I think it's a really important argument. But we've already talked about those books. Aside from those books, uh, are there any recommendations that you would have, Jay, before we get to my recommendations? Um, you know, this is time as far as to specific books. I'm, I'm a believer, sort of like you, uh, that we ought not to always focus on the news of the day. But uh, you look at putting things in context and the, the deeper currents that run through uh, our, our history. Uh, and Because I, I think there's a lot, a lot of times there's stuff that happens that – we think is new and it's not, it's just a recurrence of something else. And, and these, these deeper currents affect us, whether we under, under know that they're there or not. Um, so I'm, I'm a big believer in reading uh, a lot of American history stuff. And, and my favorite period tends to be the revolutionary period through the early federal period. Um, 
so to that, I mean, I, I guess I've read a lot of uh, Joseph Ellis. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, he's run, done a lot of things about the Constitution, Founding Fathers. Uh, the Quartet uh, was one of the most recent one I read, uh, uh, which talked about the uh, drafting of the Constitution and the roles that uh, Washington, Hamilton um, – Another and two other guys, Madison um, and uh, uh, Livingston, I think was the, oh, okay. the fourth was the one that you don't you don't hear much about. Um, but uh, how how they sort of the four of them sort of came up with the idea for the Constitution and sort of orchestrated it. Uh, and then I'll tell you, I don't always agree with everything that Joseph Ellis says because he's got sort of a, a little left leaning and and throws in some stuff that's sort of to me kind of editorializing. Uh, but as far as the the general facts and the narrative and just well written and and easy and fun to read, uh, I I I like him. Um, oh gosh, who who else? Uh, again, there are a lot of uh, you know biographies of those some same people coming out of the same time. Uh, John Meacham, uh, Jefferson book uh, yeah. from a couple of years ago, and I know you don't, don't go here for that. Um, I'm not putting uh, a link up to a Jefferson book. It's not going to happen, Jay. I just want to point that for, out. Sorry. For, uh, for, again, for more conservatives, uh, Richard Brookheiser um, has written a couple historical books, uh, one about Washington and I think the other one about Hamilton. Um, uh, that I think there are uh, Thomas Flexner's Indispensable Man about uh, Washington. Uh, that was one of Newt Gingrich's favorite books uh, that he listed back in the day. Um, so, I, you know, I guess it's more a genre than than picking specific titles. Um, in terms of, of just other stuff, and this is going to sound a little weird, not necessarily political, um, Joseph Epstein, we've talked about him occasionally, uh, wrote a book a couple years ago called Snobbery. Uh, he's written tons and tons of other books and he's, he's really a great sort of public intellectual. And and I think the book isn't political in, in and of itself, but it, it, it touches on a lot of those undercurrents that go through our society that don't, we don't like to talk about. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've seen he's a great guy. I've actually emailed back and forth with him a couple of times. I've, I've sent him fan letters, believe it or not. Really he sent you a, a cease and desist. Yeah. Order. He's, <laughs> no, he, alone. He, he's a great guy. Yeah, he writes some. He writes some wonderful stuff. He does. Uh, he's a great essayist. He does. Uh, he actually writes some fiction. Uh, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm actually reading his his one of his later fiction work, short story collection called "Fabulous Small Jews," which is a great title um, uh, for uh, for for a book by a fabulous small Jew, Joseph Epstein, actually. Yeah, again, and it's 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 fun to read. It's it's yeah. funny, it's smart. Um, Definitely. Uh, and a similar one along those same lines, and you and I both talked about this book, and it came out uh, way back in the 80s, is uh, Class by uh, William Fussell. Yeah. Paul um, Fussell, yeah, yeah, Class. Great book. Great which, book. Which, again, is, is, and it's sort of, you know, kind of funny, tongue-in-cheek, but it, it talks about things that aren't necessarily political, uh, but they are. And it, it's these these fundamental undercurrents of our society that we we don't like to talk about. Um, nonfiction. Let me throw this in because I will, I know we're going long. But uh, Charles Murray, uh, I'm a big big uh, fan of, and you like him because there's probably a lot of a lot of data involved. There is. But his Very book uh, coming guy. apart from a couple years ago, mm-hmm. I think was was really phenomenal. Um, it's it is a a look at uh, uh, how we are changing as a society. And his his take was just on on white America, and uh, the the idea that uh, look the one of your biggest predictors of poverty, uh, it's it's not um, it's it, it's uh, 
you know, families and lack thereof. Um, and uh, again, he also took a lot of heat years ago for his book, The Bell Curve, which had the the racial components of intelligence, the, the her, her, her heretical yeah. statement that that uh, some people are smarter than others. Um, well, anyway, what? But, yeah. uh, but in this in this one, you know, it, it's he, he avoided that by focusing only on uh, white households. Uh, but I, again, I think it's it's just a a, a fascinating uh, book at, at how we're we're becoming sort of two societies and some suggestions as to how we can avoid that if 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 we can. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I guess my my recommendations will be a little more since you did kind of the historical. I'll go into the more uh, specifically political. Uh, uh, there's one actually, since you mentioned a book that came out, you mentioned class came out in the 80s. There's another book that came out in the 80s that I think is essential reading. Uh, it's called Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. And basically it just talks about how television is sort of, sort of changed and in a way kind of destroyed or entertainment culture is kind of seeped into everything and everything including politics as a form of entertainment this book is even though it's you know that old it's so incredibly relevant to today very and I much would, predicted the trump phenomenon. oh my god yeah absolutely so aside from that uh, there's a, if, if you're interested in understanding more about how Democrats and Republicans seem to so often talk past each other now Jay and I of course we can communicate but so many Democrats and Republicans can't communicate. And I think by far the best book I've ever read on that is a book called The Righteous Mind by a, a social psychologist named Jonathan Haidt. He's a brilliant guy. He's done some amazing research. And I don't think anyone has done a better job at figuring out why political communication between opposing groups, Democrats and Republicans, conservatives and liberals is so very difficult. I highly encourage people to read that. Um, now, a little more kind of uh, policy-oriented, because I'm a policy-oriented kind of guy, as you know, is for people who want a, a better sense of kind of how we ended up in the state we're in. You know, we talked uh, in our uh, in our last in our last podcast in our regular politics guys about the Archie Bunker types and how it is that uh, the world is changing and so forth. Well, how is the world changing? You know, this is something I talk about in a lot of my classes. How since really the 1970s. The world in the world economy has become a very, very different thing, and there are some changes that we can't really go back to. And I think the best book I've read about that is a book called Supercapitalism by a guy named Robert Reich, who I'm sure you know. I'm not personally. Obviously. Here's the thing: I, I, it sounds like I really like the will really like this, the, the the title, but then you tell me the author, and I'm well, kind of, eh. yeah, and let me say that <laughs> Robert Reich now has become a complete left-wing, shill, nut kind of guy. I, I've tried to read some of his recent stuff, and I think it's horrible. But he, he, was, he was much steadier and less crazier when he was actually Treasury Secretary. Yeah, absolutely. Probably he because he had to be. Yeah, Treasury uh, – sorry, Labor Secretary. A Labor brilliant Secretary. guy. Um, now I think he's kind of gone off the deep end. But back when he wrote Supercapitalism, I think it's a – sure, it, it does kind of, you know, Swing to the left, understandably so. He's a man of the left. But his analysis of what's happened to the economy from really from the 1950s on, I think, is just awfully good. It's the best big picture view that I've seen. I would argue that you could augment that with a book called Winner Take All Politics by uh, by Paul Pearson and Jacob Hacker. Uh, it's uh, a little more political science-y, uh, not as well written as super capitalism, but it's a real good job of explaining kind of how public policy has driven some changes. And if you're interested in the inequality debate, I think it's a great book. Though that one, though, is a little more 
arguably to the left. And Jay, you probably wouldn't like that book a whole lot. Um, yeah, probably not. Then finally, and, and again, see, I don't have as much time to read as you do. That's true. I mean, I have to do my job. I don't mean that fast, but yeah, no, a lot of these, a lot of these books, I, you know, I, I, I have in my classes essentially. So that's why yeah. it's part of my job. The one final book, uh, "How Markets Fail." This is if you really want to, we'll get into the weeds of the economic stuff. This is written by John Cassidy, the same guy whose New Yorker column I really like. Basically looks at economic theory. I know that sounds awful, but to really understand what a lot of these programs that economists are talking about and political candidates are talking about, it really helps to know a little bit of economic theory. And I think Cassidy does a great job of, of not trying to dumb it down, but trying to make it so that people can get a little bit of a grasp of that. And so I've used that in my classes and I would highly recommend it. Um, now, moving into movies and documentaries, you know, I don't really like most documentaries and that's because I feel they're so incredibly biased and they they do so much cherry picking of data and they're just preaching the convert like Michael Moore. Michael Moore is a entertaining as hell guy, but my God, his, his, his documentaries are just worthless in terms of, in terms of getting any sense of well, it's uh, just pure propaganda. Exactly. Really. Not, exactly. Yeah. Now that being said though, I think there's one guy who has put out some decent documentaries that I can recommend. The guy's name is Charles Ferguson. He uh, he's not just a filmmaker. He had a he's got a PhD from in political science. So obviously I gotta like him. La di da. Yeah, uh, you know from MIT <laughs> of all places. He's done two really great documentaries. One is called No End in Sight. This came out in 2007. It was about our invasion of Iraq. And he did another one in 2010 called Inside Job, which is about the financial crisis. And yes, he's definitely, again, a man of the left, but I, I would highly recommend both of those documentaries. Though, while I don't recommend documentaries for the most part, there are some non-documentary movies I think are great. One you may have seen called Network. I don't know if you're familiar with Network, Jay. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take there it anymore. There you go. Yes. Yeah, it came out in yes. 1976. It'd be a great pairing to like wine and cheese network and amusing ourselves to death. Network's a great movie. Probably one of my favorite movies of all time. I would recommend that. Another movie that came out in the early or well, the late nineties called wag the dog. Uh, uh, and then a movie that came out in the early two thousands called team America world police. Those are three <laughs> of my favorite political movies highly recommend all of those and uh, now team america if you're a little squeamish don't want to see full frontal it's not necessarily a sex, family no it, no it definitely not safe for the family but a great movie i've actually shown it with some trepidation in some of my classes for its views on american foreign policy of all things so how about you jay any uh film recommendations wow uh no i you know again with the, the documentary thing um conservatives tend not to make good documentaries they really don't and i've tried uh, to find some and it's really frustrating there just aren't that many of them and and i'll and i'll tell you it's it's sort of i mean there's just this this maybe a skill set i mean liberals and dominate hollywood and all that kind Absolutely. of stuff i mean sure they tend to make better movies yeah. <laughs> you know, so no question uh you know i you know no documentaries spring to mind uh, immediately um as far as movies go, uh, again, the political satire stuff, I like Network. Um, uh, Being There was on oh, uh, Turner right. Classic Movies not too long ago. Uh, again, uh, if you enjoy political satire and, and uh, yeah, Peter Sellers, I mean, it's it's it, it's great. Um, gosh, other movies that have... 
you know what we should do? We should actually throw this open to our listeners yeah. and say, folks, if if there are any, uh, if you have any recommendations for us, or do you want to just share, uh, let us know. Uh, post something on the Facebook page there. Uh, I'll uh, try to start a start a thread on that. But we really like to hear from you because we're always looking for you know good high quality sources, whether they're movies, documentaries, books, you name it. So uh, definitely have at it, right? Yeah, and, and you know, my sense is I I prefer movies that aren't that are um, uh, explicitly political, right? Uh, you know that that the the politics is you know, and, and I'll tell you one of the this is going to sound like a weird recommendation. Um, the Queen uh, the came Queen. out oh probably almost ten years ago, maybe now. Uh, one of the most conservative movies I've ever seen, and I don't mean that in the political sense, uh, but it's sort of you know about the death of Princess Diana and uh, the the relationship going between the the queen of england and uh, tony blair okay and uh it's it's fascinating and really well done and um uh helen mirren i think was was nominated for an oscar i don't know if she won um but uh to, to me that is is the epitome of conservatism in the, in the non-political sense right if you get that, yeah, absolutely. and if you watch the movie, I think you probably will. But yeah, you know, and I speaking of conservatism, I, I almost wish, and I, I didn't include this in any of my book recommendations, but boy, I'd sure like to put something, some sort of book or, or, or commentary on Edmund Burke on there. He's kind of a hero of mine. He's a, a conservative, and mine too. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you know, we both agree on that, and and I think we would both agree that many of the people who call themselves conservatives these days are anything but, at least in the Edmund Burkean sense. And there's a good reason why he's a hero for both of us. And maybe I'll try to find some sort of good uh, introduction or link or something, because I think more people should be exposed to Edmund Burke, or at least his yeah, thoughts. His, his big work is uh, Reflections on the Revolution in France. Which is going to put um, you to sleep. So, right. which but, he was, which he's generally not a fan of. Yeah, no. Uh, he was, he was very much a fan of our revolution and less so of the French. Yeah, so I'll try to find something that sort of encapsulates Burke's philosophy. I, I think Jay and I, we, we both, I think we can both recommend that you take a look at that, assuming I can find something halfway decent. Which I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out one more. Okay. Again, just this, this is sort of conservative classic, and a lot of times you, you don't get it until you get it. Um, is uh, Witness by Whitaker Chambers. Oh, uh, you're going way again, back. I'm going, well, it's 53, I believe. Yeah, that's old. Uh, but this is, you know, the had to do with Alger Hiss and uh, the allegations that he was a uh, Soviet spy. Uh, in retrospect, it appears that he, he in all likelihood was. Um, and <clears throat> it originally, you know, fascinated me, like, why, why was this such a big deal among conservatives? Uh, but if you read the book, then then I think, I think you do start to get it. Uh, and uh, Whitaker Chambers is a... A uh, fascinating and and flawed figure, um, uh, but so is Alger Hiss, and and I, I think it's it's one of these it, weird conflicts that encapsulates sort of the the conservative and liberal view, especially as it as it was uh, in the late forties, uh, early fifties. Uh, and again, this is one of those things that sort of still informs uh, our politics today, even though we don't don't know that it does. Right. Okay, well, that, that's uh, that's I think it's a pretty solid reading list for anyone who's interested. And like I said, it might take me a little while to get all these links up, but they will be up at some point. I, I might actually, you know, I might, what I might actually try to do instead of putting them on the show notes where they kind of come and go is try to find a way to include them on the website so they're there for people, you know, whenever they want to take a look. Look but, on the Facebook page if we can do a permanent thing on the Facebook page. Yeah, so, some kind of permanent thing where people can go to them and not have to not have to find an older show, but they will be up there at some point. So. 
I think that that definitely answers the question, I would say. So that is it for this episode of Ask the Politics Guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions for future episodes or just any thoughts, comments, or criticisms, we would love to hear from you. Our email is politicsguys at gmail.com. That's politicsguys, one word, at gmail.com. Our Facebook page, where Jay and I post and comment on news articles throughout the week and where you can join in with recommendations on books or sites or whatever, is facebook.com slash politicsguys page. And if you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we'd really appreciate it if you could just take a minute to rate the show and write a quick review. And of course, if you like what we're doing and want us to want to help us out a little bit more, even a donation of even a buck or so, uh, that would be great. We have donation links on our site, politicsguys.com. Ask the Politics Guys will be back next Wednesday. We hope you'll join us.